Thank you, Angela and the band, and thank you, everyone who contributed this morning. It was great to hear from so many, and uh, just knowing what God is doing in and amongst us, and uh, different perspectives that God wants to bring to us. Sometimes we can just get fixed in looking at things a certain way. I just thought that, mess that, uh, that Tim brought was so helpful, just to be able to look from above, to try and see things from God's perspective, and hopefully through the message that I bring this morning, that will uh, also be the case that God is going to speak to us and help us to see who He is and who uh, we are as a church uh, and what He wants to do in and through us. So as Angela says, my name is Mark, uh, Mark Rushworth. I'm one of the leaders here at Christ Central Church. It's so good to be here this morning and uh, welcome to you if you're here in person or if you're joining us online. Good to have you with us as well. We've been looking through the book of Acts over the last few months, and uh, we are at the end of chapter 2 currently. So if you have a Bible, you may want to turn to chapter 2, um, and we're going to look at the last few verses soon, and the words will also appear on the screen as well. Just to remind us what's been happening so far in the book of uh, Acts, we've heard about how Jesus ascended to heaven, and then the early church were waiting, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church on the day of Pentecost. And uh, Peter, uh, you know, people started speaking in different sort of languages. A crowd gathered because they uh, heard God being praised in all of their different languages. They could all understand it. And so Peter explained what had been going on and uh, pretty much preached the message of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to them. And uh, it says 3,000 people were added to their number that day. 3,000 people were repenting of their sin. They got baptized in water. They got baptized by the Holy Spirit, and they were added to the church. Um, you know, God, when he, uh, he moves in our lives, He doesn't just leave us on our own, and uh, they could have all said, well, we're, we're all different languages, different nationalities. We're going to go back. No, no, no. God, I'm going to hit this again if I'm not careful. God, uh, God, God joins us together many different people, but he joins us together in a body, his, his church, and we're all members of that one body. Sometimes people get confused about what we say when we talk about church membership, and they think it's kind of some uh, formal thing or some kind of, you know, where you get extra privileges. No, no, no. Membership is just being part of the church. It's being part of the church and, and knowing who you are, that we belong to Jesus Christ. When we follow him, when he saved us, we walk with him, but we don't just walk with him on our own. We walk with him together with each other. He joins us as a body. Um, when Jesus was uh, walking around uh, amongst people, he gathered people to him. They were following him, but they were joined together as well in community. They figured out relationship with each other. And that's what we do in the church. That's what the church is. And uh, we very much hope that uh, you will want to be a part of a body, a church, whether it's us, uh, maybe you're looking in this morning, maybe you're not sure, um, you know, where you fit. Um, well, we pray that you will fit with us or that you will fit with some other church body, but we weren't created to walk this Christian life on our own. 
So we joined in a church, and the church isn't the, the, church isn't the building. I, I think we, many of us know that. It's not the place we gather on a Sunday. This church doesn't look anything like a traditional church building. Um, the church is us. The church is us together. Anyway, that's the, that's the prelude. Here we are in Acts chapter 2. Uh, we'll read from verse 42 to 47. It says this about the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So these, these verses, and, and Joe looked at them in, uh, in some detail last week. I'm not going to go over all of that again. If you didn't hear Joe's message, I just encourage you to go online. You can hear it uh, through, our, um, through our YouTube channel. You can uh, watch it on uh, ChristCentral.ca. If you've got Right Now Media, um, you can watch it on that as well under our, uh, under our uh, uh, section. So please do look at that. It's very encouraging. It will explain to us. Uh, what the early church were doing and uh, how God wants us to be as a church. Um, but, you know, it's amazing, isn't it? There's so, all these things that are going on, they're devoting themselves to the uh, teaching of the apostles. They're applying it to their lives. They're, they're sharing communion with each other, um, as Jesus had encouraged them to do. They're praying together. They're, there's miracles happening amongst them. Um, they're together relationally and, and People who have need, their needs are being met by others in the church. They're gathering together in the, every day in the temple courts, eating in their homes. They're praising God, and God is saving people uh, on, a, on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, if we're looking at, at what sort of church we want to be, people sometimes say, well, you know, what are we about as a church? What's our vision as a church? Hey, there's no better desire and no better vision of what sort of church God wants us to be or we would like to be than this. You know, wouldn't you love to see these things happening in this way amongst us? A, a church that's devoted to God, a church that's devoted to hearing and applying the word, that, a church that would, is devoted to caring for each other and seeing these miracles happen and healings and praising God, being together, being able to eat together when restrictions allow, friends together, and seeing people saved and added to us. That's what we'd love to see happening amongst us. That's what we'd long for. So I'm not going to focus too much on all of those things, but I just really want to highlight and hone in on a, a few words from verse 47, which we can easily miss if we're not careful, just reading through these passages. And these are the words in verse 47. It says, um, they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. They were enjoying the favor of all the people. And uh, today I would like us to look at the uh, question and see, well, why was that? What was it about this early church that meant that they were enjoying the favor of all of the people around them? Why was that? What was going on? And is that something that God would want to be said of us today. I believe that it is. I believe that it is something that God would want to be said of us today. And if we're honest, we look at the church 
in the world. We look at the church in North America, the continent that we're living in, and I would say right now, most people, many people, are not looking with favorable eyes on the church. There's something about the church that isn't captivating and, and, and encouraging people to look at them with favor. So I just want to look this morning and see what is it that God's wanting to do amongst us that God would look with favor, that people would look with favor upon us, and how do we work that out? Well, first of all, it's, it's pretty evident that there's something attractive about the presence of God living in our midst, the living God amongst us. There's something attractive about that. God is a God of love. God is a God of grace. He's a God of holiness. He's a God of righteousness. He's a God of power. And when Jesus came to the earth and lived amongst us, actually people saw all of these things in him. He was an attractive person. He was someone who was attractive to be around. Now, he wasn't physically attractive. Isaiah 53 uh, tells us there was nothing in in his appearance that would cause us to desire him. So it wasn't his looks that attracted people, but it was who he was that attracted people. He drew crowds to himself. They loved to hear him teach. They loved to see him do miracles. Many of the people who we reached out to who were attracted to him were those who were outcasts in society, those who who would stay away from other people, or certainly people would stay away from them. But Jesus extended love and grace and mercy to them. He didn't go soft on holiness, though. He wasn't as though he was like, oh, there, there, you know, everything's okay. No, he still preached messages like the Sermon on the Mount. You read the Sermon on the Mount, you're not going to go away thinking, you know, Jesus is just that kind of, oh, we just want to love everyone, just let everything go. No, no, Jesus is saying things in the Sermon on the Mount which make us stop and think, oh my goodness, you know, I thought I was quite a good person before I heard this, but now I can see how God's standards are so different to mine. I can see how in the light of God I'm so unworthy and not righteous. Someone on the mount shows us our need for God, our need that we can't live up to God's standards. Jesus embodied all of this. And so when the early church came about, Jesus has gone to heaven, he's ascended to heaven, but the, the Spirit of God has been poured out on the churches and on the early church and this church in Jerusalem. And we see that they're carrying Jesus around with them. The Holy Spirit dwelling within them is is almost as though Jesus is with them in who they are. Because it's the same Spirit that, that filled Jesus. It's God Himself. And so they did the things that Jesus did. They reminded people of Jesus. In in time they came to know they came to be known as Christians. That means little Christs, because they reminded people of Christ. And people would have seen and observed how the early church acted, how they were, and how they related with each other. Because as we've seen, some of their gatherings were in public. Yes, they met in homes and they ate together, but they also met in the temple courts. 
Now, wh what does that mean, they met in the temple courts? Well, it, it probably didn't mean that they booked and rented uh, a, a spot, you know, a separate room in the temple uh, from the temple authorities. Those temple authorities probably were not going to uh, be too keen to rent out rooms and spaces to, to, to a group that were following Jesus, who they'd just actually crucified. But the temple was a large space, so they would meet and they'd see each other and they'd maybe gather together in a, in a spot and, and relate with each other and hear teaching. But people were following and people were wandering by all of the time. So they would have seen something of what the early church were like. They would have seen something of the joy that these believers had. They would have heard some of the praises that they were singing to God. They would have maybe observed and seen how the church were relating with each other, how they were caring for each other's needs, making sure that there was no needy people among them. You know, bringing things and saying, oh, hey, this is for you. You need this. And, and, and just showing that love of Jesus to each other. It would have impacted those people who were looking on. Jesus said that would be the case. He said in John chapter 13 and verse 35, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another, that you love one another. That's how people will know that you're following me, your love for one another. So it's important for us to realize that actually biblically, loving each other is our first priority. And that might come as a shock for some people. They might say, well, hang on, surely, surely we shouldn't be concerned about each other. We, God's looking after us. We should be caring for the world. It should be the world that we're just meeting all of their needs. Well, actually, yes. But first of all, we care for each other. That's how our love will be a witness to the world. Paul says it too in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity... Let's do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So he's saying we, we love and care for everyone and do good, but first of all, especially the, those who belong to the family of believers. So if there's any need among us in our life groups, anyone we know in church, actually it's God's desire for us to meet that need in the same way that we would with other members of our family, not taking away personal responsibility from them, it's not encouraging people to be lazy and just receive handouts, but actually to be family together. That's who God's called us to be. But as well as caring for each other, the early church did um, start to look outward. Of course, Jesus had given them that commission. Jesus said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to go and preach the gospel in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of of the earth after Samaria as well, which I missed out. Um, and we start to see that happen. In chapter 3 of Acts, we start to see Peter and John, they're heading to the temple, but, but suddenly they're not, they're not just ignoring the beggar who sits there, who would have sat there week after week after week as people went to the temple. Suddenly, they're bringing something to him. We'll see it in the next passage that we look at. They bring healing to him. They bring new life to him in Christ. That's what they start to do. They start to look outwards. It's not just inward looking. So for us as a church, we've got to think, well, what does God want us to be like? How does God want us to be? And we've already seen some of how we relate to each other. But how does God want us to relate to the world? And is it going to result in the world 
our city, our communities looking with favor upon us. How does that work? Well, there's a number of different ways that we could relate to the world. And I'm, I'm going to kind of give them a category. Now, they're, they're kind of broad stereotypes that I'm going to um, outline here. But these are different ways that we could choose to relate to the world. Firstly, we could relate to the world as a church in the city, a church in the city. So churches that are in the city um, really have got a physical presence in the city. Maybe they've got a building in the city where they gather people into. And, uh, you know, we could, we could be that sort of church. We could put on lots of different programs. But churches that are just in the city but maybe not relating too much to the city, tend to just be primarily geared uh, around people who are just already in the church. And obviously, that can be a good thing, as we've seen. We, we care about people in the church. We want to look uh, for, after people in the church. But if we're not careful and we, we're that sort of church, we can have very little engagement with the churches and communities around us. We could gather many, many people from all over the place. We could start to have great, um, great programs and things that people will come to, different Christians might come to, and we might say, oh, yeah, yeah, well, if non-Christians, people outside the church want to come, they're very open to come as well. But, but really, this is what we're gearing ourselves towards, just teaching and helping people in the church. We could gather lots of people Actually, it could have very little impact on our city, very little impact on our community. In fact, if we get too many people coming, we might just get people annoyed at all the traffic that's coming on a Sunday. Church in the city, but not really impacting the city. That's one model of church that we could be. I don't believe that's the sort of model that God is calling us to be. Second model, church, I'll call it church against the city. It sounds a little strong, but hopefully you'll get what I mean. Church against the city. We could be the sort of church that say, hey, God is very keen that we live holy lives. God is very keen that we live holy and righteous lives. And the world out there is increasingly not living in that sort of way. The world is decaying. The world is getting worse and worse. And we see it in all sorts of different areas of church life. We see it in politics. We see it in the media. We see it in the arts. You know, we put the TV on uh, and, and, and watch movies and we just think, oh, this is all getting worse and worse. And so what we could do is we could retreat back into our church, our, 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 um, our, our group, and we could say, you know, we must maintain our holiness we must keep ourselves pure from the world. We don't want to let the world contaminate us. And more than that, we might say we need to just, we need to just keep preaching and, and proclaiming to the world how they need to be more holy, to be more godlike. And some churches will choose to have that stance. So their engagement with the world might be to just say, hey, you have gone away from God's standards. And maybe they're saying that in many, many different ways. And they're calling out all of these things. People who are in churches that have this approach, they might say, well, it's biblical. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9 says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. But maybe they've not read a little bit further and, 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 and seen the context of those verses. A few verses later, Paul says, bless those who persecute you. 
Bless and don't curse. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. If we're a church that ends up kind of being against the city, against our culture, we can tend to have an us and them mentality. And we can end up focusing on external behaviors if we're not careful too, rather than actually what's going on in people's hearts and seeing what God might be doing in other people's hearts. We might end up talking about rules to follow rather than the grace of God that we can receive. We might end up talking about sin a lot, which is biblical to talk about sin, but you know, we might fail to talk about love and grace and forgiveness. First Corinthians, Paul says, in chapter 5 and verse 12, what business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? Are you not to judge those inside? Paul's basically saying that we're not the ones called to hold the world to account for their actions. We're called to look in the church and do that, but not to preach judgment to the world. There will be judgment coming to the world. Jesus will return one day. He will come as judge. Right now, we are not to act as judge to the world. And if we did, we might end up looking more like the Pharisees of Jesus' day rather than Jesus himself, who became known as a friend of sinners. People didn't always say that in a, in a positive way, but that's what he was known as. The church against the city doesn't enjoy the favor of all the people. So if we're not going to be a church against the city, well, well we could be a church of the city. What about being a church of the city? And, and churches of the city, if we were to go uh, to be that sort of church, we might, it's kind of the opposite extreme to the church against the city. We might just say we're going to embrace everything in our culture, everything in the culture of our city. Let's get heavily involved in all of the things that are going on in the local arts and events and causes and everything like that. And those are great things to do to some extent. The danger, if we're not careful, if we go down this route too much, is we can lose our distinctiveness. We can lose the flavor of the salt which we're called to have. Jesus says, be salt and light. We can lose that saltiness. We can lose that brightness of our light, which is distinctive from the world, because we've kind of abandoned our call to be in the world, but not of the world. That can be a hard distinction to find. But we can be too concerned about being in the world that we end up being of the world as well. We can lose our Christian identity. We can lose our ability to speak truth, God's truth, into those relationships and communities that we have. You see, many churches can go down this route and they can say, well, what we really want to do is be culturally relevant. And we do want to proclaim the gospel in a culturally relevant way. We want to be able to proclaim the truth of the gospel in a way which people will understand in their culture. But if we go too far, we can end up watering down the gospel of Jesus. We can end up removing everything from, our, uh, from what we say that might be offensive to people. So it ends up actually not being the gospel. And, and Jesus, as we've seen, was holy. He was righteous. He didn't shy away from saying the difficult things. Some people who were attracted to Jesus came to him, and then once they were engaged with him, they heard what he said, and they said, actually, I, I can't stick around. I can't stay with you. They ended up walking away. 
but they did hear what he had to say in the first place. So we can be walking down a road and trying to be a biblical church, and it's almost as though we've got these two ditches that we could fall into. We could fall into the ditch of being judgmental and against the city, against what is going on in our society, or we could fall into the ditch of just embracing everything and becoming very liberal as a church. Is there a middle way? Well, hopefully you've understood that there is, if we're talking about the, the road, the street walking down. I believe uh, there is a more biblical way, and I'm going to call this being a church for the city, a church for the city. And if we're to be a church for the city, then we're to speak the truth of the gospel without being afraid to hold biblical viewpoints and uphold moral standards. We can be a church that proclaims the truth of Scripture with passion and clarity and boldness, but we can still also be a church which is really committed to seeing the peace of the city established and the flourishing of our cities and our communities. We can be caring and concerned about our city. We can be involved in different ways with our city. The prophet Jeremiah spoke to the people of God when they were in Babylon. They'd been taken away from their holy land and they'd been taken to Babylon, a place of godlessness. Many people would look today and say, well, our society is very much like Babylon. There's all sorts of things going on in it which are ungodly. And God spoke to his people through the prophet Jeremiah and said, this is how I want you to be. This is how I want you to live. He says, you're going to be here for a, a, a good while, 70 years. You know, you'll go back eventually. But right now, this is what I want you to do. Build houses and settle down, he said. Plant gardens, eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, don't decrease. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So you see what God is saying to his people there. He's saying, yes, settle there, know that you're here for now, increase in number, marry, but seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. Don't just dismiss where you are, pray for the city. And God wants us to settle in our cities and our communities. And he wants us to pray for them. And he wants us to seek their prosperity. So if we're living in Fredericton, he wants us to love Fredericton. He wants us to pray for Fredericton, to pray for the leaders in Fredericton, to pray for our health and our teachers and all of the things that Joe was speaking into a little last week. God's not wanting us to just become like everyone else in our society. To, that's often called assimilation. He doesn't want us to do that, but he doesn't want us to be separate from them and just look in condemnation. God wants us to engage with the city, to bring the love of Jesus to them, and we'll be a godly witness. So that passage was from the Old Testament. Peter spoke in the New Testament to the churches. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he said this, verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, he called them foreigners and exiles because he said, you don't fit in with everyone else. You're different to everyone else. You're like foreigners. 
You've been you, you, you exiled. You've been sent away. But you don't fit into the culture. He, I urge you to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. What was he saying there? Don't, don't compromise. Don't get involved with what everyone else gets involved in if it's sinful. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So live lives among people in society in a way that they're going to see how we live, see our good deeds, and they'll glorify God. In other words, they will look with favor upon us. This is the sort of church God's calling us to be, a church for the city. So how do we do that? How do we respond to God's call to lovingly engage our city and see them respond with favor towards us? Well, a lot of it goes back to what we've been saying in previous weeks and months about our neighbors, our networks, nations as well, comes into it. We all live, if we're in Fredericton here, we all live all across the city and, and even some of us outside of the city. God's placed each one of us in the place where he's got us, in our homes, in our communities, with the neighbors that we have. He's placed each one of us in a variety of different situations, in the schools we're in, in the classes that we're in, with our, uh, with our work colleagues, at university with the people we're in, maybe in the sports teams that we're in, or our kids' dance classes and their families, or the teachers that we have, or the people who we go to to get our hair cut, or get our car fixed, or whatever it might be, these are the neighbors, the people who God has put us among. For each one of us, it might be different people. There'll be some people who are in common, but for many of us, they'll be different. These are the people who will see God in us, in how we are with them, in how we live our lives, and in how we are with each other as well. And they'll see it in the respect that we give to them. They'll see it in the encouragement that we give, again, we were hearing last week about how we can give encouragement to our teachers and those working in health professions, especially at these difficult times. You know, how are we going to relate to these people? Are we just going to complain? How are they seeing God in us as we do that? Or are they seeing something different that is godly? They'll see how good a neighbor we are. They'll see how well we tip in a restaurant and how we relate to the serving staff. So many different ways. And as we relate with people and people see these things, they may then start to ask questions. And so we can look for opportunities to share something of God's love with them. It, it won't be happening all the time. We're not going in preaching to every single person we see all of the time. But we should be looking for opportunities to make the most of it. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5 and 6, Paul says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you might know how to answer everyone. Many people amongst us will be struggling right now. Many people are. But they'll be seeing something of Jesus in us. So we can be praying for these situations in our life groups. We can be praying, we can be saying, hey, who are the people you know? Who do you see God at work in? Let's pray for those people. And let's pray for you individuals in our life groups that you might be a good witness to Jesus, 
that you might be a good neighbor, that you might be able to have that conversation. And whatever it might be, let's encourage and pray for each other in that, that our conversation is full of grace and seasoned with salt. And what about us corporately as a church? How are we to be as a church? What is God calling us to? Well, God's also placed us, in a sense, within a community. He's given us this building. Now, this building, as we've said, isn't the church, but it's a, it's a gathering place. It's a center. It's a hub that we can have, that we can see God work as we go out from here corporately. So we are doing things already in the community. We're involved with Kids Club and Ignite. And so the, the families in Dune Street, Wilson Row, a little beyond that, and we're hoping that will be extended further and further into more families. We're, we're getting to know those families. We're providing a, a, a club, um, activities for the kids to come to, but we're also going visiting. We're seeing them in their home situations. We're relating to them as they're out playing on the streets. And we're wanting to befriend these families and bring support and help where it's needed. We've been able to do that before now, and we'll continue to do that. We want to show God's hope and light to them, especially in these difficult times. And I believe there'll be many more things that God wants to do in and through us as well. And we want to pray and find out what those things are and then move into them. Maybe there'll be partnerships with different community groups whose missions and values align with ours. Perhaps we'll start reading or homework clubs to help support families with education. Teachers uh, as well can be supported with that. Perhaps there'll be skills clubs that we uh, start which help people find work and support families. Maybe food programs for people who are in food poverty. Maybe, maybe there'll be ways that we can help bring reconciliation and unity in our communities to people who are different, different backgrounds, different nationalities, different languages, different colors of skin, different cultures, but in Christ we can bring unity. Those are the sort of things that God has on his heart and wants the church to be involved in. Who knows specifically what precise things we're going to be involved in? There's so many options. We want to hear God, but we want to walk into the things that God is calling us into as a church, to be a church for the city, to be a church for the communities that we're in. And we can still run other things as well. We can do things like Alpha. We're starting Alpha again next week on Wednesday evening, actually. And uh, God's Alpha is a great way to, to reach people. Sometimes many people come to Alpha who've had some experience of church in the past, and maybe they've been uh, put off church, put off God because of it, but they've come back around because they've seen something different. And Alpha can be a great place to be able to ask questions, to be able to express uh, concerns, doubts, you know, say what they think, in a non-judgmental way, and they can see something of the church, even on Alpha, even online. People have said, hey, I just see how you are with each other. This is just, this is just a great place to be. There's something about you that is different. There's something about you which is attractive. So maybe there's people that you know, maybe yourself, you want to come to Alpha this week. Just let me know if that's the case, and if there's others because it can be a great place to see the church in action. God isn't calling us to be a church which is simply in 
the city in Fredericton. I don't believe he's calling us to be a church which is against the city. And we must beware of, being, of the dangers of being a church which is just of the city. But God's calling Christ Central Fredericton to be a church which is for the city, to be a church which displays God's love, Christ's love, as we meet with each other, as we love each other, forgive each other, meet each other's needs, but then starts to engage in our communities, with our neighbors, with our networks, with all the na nations that have come to us. Who knows, maybe some will then go out to the nations. He wants us to be a church which is going to boldly proclaim the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ through our deeds and through our words. To be a church that enjoys the favor of all people and who sees the Lord add to our number daily those who are being saved. That's what we pray for. Why don't we stand together as Angela and the band come back? I just want to pray into this as we close this morning. Father God, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can see the example of the early church and we can know something of what they did, how they worked out you living within them, with each other and into the communities, into the city that they were in. And God, I pray for us. Help us as well. Help us to have that perspective, that godly perspective that Tim was talking about as to who we are in you. Help us to work that out together, even in the tough situations, to forgive each other, to care for each other. Let that be a witness to others, Lord, but also as we engage with our city. I pray many people will look with favor. They'll be drawn in. They'll will have an opportunity to preach the gospel, to, the, to proclaim the good news of Christ, and that people will respond, be saved, and added to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.